Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Max Lucado says the human mind explaining baptism is like a harmonica interpreting Beethoven. The music is too majestic for the instrument. Today, the church remembers one of the great manifestations of Jesus to the world in his baptism in the River Jordan by his cousin John. The voice of heaven breaks open, and the Father says, This is my Son, my beloved. Trying to wrap up what baptism means in a succinct statement is near impossible. How does any words or any art capture the magnificence of being baptized into the body of Christ, being adopted as one of God's children? Sure, we try. We have things that we say. The baptism is full initiation into the body of Christ, the church. It's one reason why our baptismal font is at the back of the church is a reminder that our entrance into community is through the renewing waters of baptism. Paul says that in baptism we are buried with Christ and reborn in Christ. But how do we capture the depth of what it means to be buried and reborn with Jesus? But it is that conviction that something powerful and amazing happens at baptism, which is why baptism in the sacramental liturgical tradition is so important. It's not just merely a washing of sins, although that certainly is a part of what baptism does. It is so deep and so beautiful, we just really can't capture it. And so we end up playing something like a harmonica, trying to play a classical masterpiece, and it just doesn't seem to get it all the way there. Might look at the reading from Matthew's gospel and see what it might tell us about baptism. We might look at the uh, geography of the story. Uh, Folks have said that the geography of Israel is the fifth gospel. 
Jesus goes to the River Jordan to be baptized by his cousin. John, as you remember, had a baptism of repentance. John was dressed as this person in wild clothing. He ate strange food. And he was associated with Elijah, who was going to herald in the Messianic age. And he is the forerunner to Jesus. And there he is at the River Jordan in the wilderness, away from the religious authorities. The sinners are come out to hear a bit of good news. And in the midst of this message for sinners, Jesus comes and is immersed into the waters like everybody else. This River Jordan for the people of Israel is the demarcation from being lost, from being in the wilderness, from being in the dry, barren places and arriving into a place of newness and of hope and of fullness and of life. When in your own life have you experienced moving from the barren, dry times into newness of life? It's hard to capture what that really means for the people of Israel who spent decades wandering lost in the wilderness to suddenly come to the place that they have been wanting to go to for so long. And it is in this place the waters which open the way to the newness of life, that Jesus immerses himself into the water. It's sort of surprising the River Jordan is the only freshwater source Israel has today. It's why they spend uh, a lot of attention and energy trying to uh, make sure that the headwaters uh, remain as part of their territory. Because without that river water, they have no source of fresh living water to water their plants. So the winter storms that go to Mount Hermon and form snow begin to melt in the spring, and that water trickles down to form the Sea of Galilee, the River Jordan, and then the water flows into the Dead Sea, a place where there is no life, a place where there is not even hope for life, Between life and death, Jesus comes in the midst of it and is baptized into that, opening that for all of us. Chad Bird, in reflecting upon this this baptism, says that Jesus comes to bring us out of the dry and barren past into a future of a new and living hope. That Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant, the incarnate throne of God, in whom John the priest, who is dressed in camel hair vestments, Jesus is the new Joshua who brings us into the promised kingdom of the Father that is flowing with the milk of mercy and the honey of life. We might hear in this story not just all of Israel's past coming into the present moment, but we might think about one key story related to baptism. St. Peter, in writing one of his letters, says that the ark that saved eight human beings, Noah's family, prefigured baptism. It was an early sign, a foreshadowing of what is to come. That's why baptismal fonts are traditionally eight-sided. You can go and count ours as eight sides because it's a reminder of the eight people who were saved in the ark. This space, which we often call a nave, 
although most people sit there and go, what is that? But it is a reminder that this building is designed as an upside-down ship and that we are gathered in the tumult of life into a place of safety and of wholeness where we get a different word. This past week, my daughter came from school and said, did you know that we might be having World War III? Now, I grew up in the 80s, so I was knew all about the dangers of World War III. That's why so many great movies were made about it in the 80s. I felt like I needed to go and introduce her to Red Dawn to say, don't worry. <laughs> if it gets too bad, we can become Wolverines. <laughs> but I realized that in that fear, what we really needed was to know that there is something that is larger than our fears. And so we come, we gather here around water that has renewed us in a space that is a reminder of our comfort and our safety. In this story, Noah, a new Noah, the heavens open up. And rather than raining down destructive floods, the father pours forth speech onto the world that says, this is my son, the beloved one with whom I am well pleased. A dove which once had landed at the ark to say that it was safe and that the waters were receding now descends upon us in the form of the Spirit of God, the Messiah. So what is it that we are to say about baptism? I don't know that we can fully capture it in any one of those images. Rather, they form a mosaic that sometimes we can only see when we look from far away. One thing I am certain of is, is that baptism is all about God's grace and mercy. It is about God's forgiveness and acceptance of us. Baptism is not just for those who have their lives together and their stuff figured out. Because Jesus submerged himself in the waters of the people who were lost and lonely, who were sinners and broken, coming to hear a word of renewal from John the Baptist. So we know it's not about having our stuff together. Nor is baptism the final exam once we got the test right. In fact, baptism is the very thing that allows us to continue to go through life. I think maybe for me, one image of baptism that has stood out to me is that baptism is a reminder that no matter what, we are not forgotten by God. After we baptize a person, we mark on their forehead with the oil and we say that you are marked as Christ's own forever. Father Greg Boyle, who has spent much of his ministry in Los Angeles with Homeboy Ministries, getting people out of gangs and into life, shares the story of a young man that he encountered. As a, young, as a young boy, this young man came home from school one day at nine years of age, and he finds that his mother has moved and taken all their stuff. For the next several years, he lives on the streets, finding different places to stay for the night, finding food where he can, eventually goes into uh, the uh, 
system and, and, and is put into foster care. He falls into gangs and uh, ends up in prison. And maybe because of his time in which he lived on the streets and didn't always have adequate food, he had this insatiable need to eat. And it was difficult for him to go through therapy without having something to eat. And so Father Boyle shares how he thought, well, maybe if I bring him some Triscuits. And the young man says, I can't believe that somebody remembered me. I didn't know that anybody remembered me. And I think that that's at its very core is what happens at baptism is, is that it's a reminder that we aren't forgotten by God. No matter what we do, no matter what we don't do, we are not forgotten and we are not turned away. That in the fullness of that baptism, we are inaugurated into Christ's new body and new being. A hope that is given to us for the life of the world. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org and peace be with you.